Welcome, one and all, as Fantastic Geek celebrates May the 4th, 2021. My name is Matt, and joining me, as always, is Pete. Hello, Pete. Hello, everyone. Hello, Matt. May the 4th be with you. Here today to talk about the pilot for The Bad Batch on Disney Plus here, premiering on Tuesday, May the 4th, the first of our Buffet May coverage. Indeed, Pete, looking forward to spending the entire month, again, this stretch that went back to whenever Lower Deck started, like August or... Yes. <laughs> okay, where the podcast gods offered us up um, basically, you know, one Lower Decks a week, then one Star Trek Discovery a week. Was there was 23 a... consecutive weeks of Star Trek. A little then... overlap there with The Mandalorian, then that yep. was solo. Yeah, and then... You know, it's been it's been quite a run, but here we are, much like the post uh, Empire galaxy, which of course is not pondered in this show because this is right as the Empire starts. But here we are, new sense of podcasting freedom, at least for the month uh, of May, as you said, talking about the first of sixteen episodes of Star Wars: The Bad Batch. This uh, seventy-minute uh, premiere, effectively like the Clone Wars before it albeit not bowing in theaters as it did in 2008. Uh, there were three directors listed, so you have to believe this was like a, a three-episode, you know, uh, stitched together. Um, but, you know, we saw the Bad Batch at the end of Clone Wars in that, uh, that final seventh season that came to Disney+, Plus, and now they get their own show. I was a little surprised how heavily they leaned into the clone war aesthetic. You know, they give you the title card and then, all right, so the bad batch comes out of it, but you know, 1940s announcer guy, talk about the clone wars. Let's hear it for, you know, our boys on Utapau. Uh, welcome. But I was hoping a little bit more different. I, I hope that, Friday's episode we're getting to this week and we're going to be bringing both to you varies distances itself a little bit more um it was interesting as somebody in myself who I've enjoyed the Clone Wars I think sometimes it's been sometimes I found the Clone Wars experience to be highly highly engaging I think because of the nature of that show where you know sometimes it's core mythology other times it's like I don't know, what if Godzilla on, uh, you know, <laughs> tech planet, you know, like because of the nature where it could be anything and everything, I right. didn't love all those episodes equally. Um, but it was certainly, you know, it's like, oh, here's this new show. I, okay, I kind of, my street cred for Clone Wars season seven maybe isn't through the roof, but to immediately get, you know, this obvious continuation from that as well as kind of a new start. I thought it was a super effective pilot in that regard. Uh, we get the Bad Batch characters presented cleanly, clearly, very quickly. We get the whole kind of, I'll say geopolitical, although it's probably more, I, I don't know, whatever the, the space pronoun versus geo as the, the land pronoun. Um, but kind of all of that is made clear. Um, and I thought it was a really, I thought it was a compelling and fun story. This episode here titled Aftermath and dealing both with the very end of the Clone Wars and then, of course, the beginning of the Empire, as you mentioned before, 
um, what we saw in season seven of Clone Wars with Order 66 being initiated. And here, backing up a little bit, uh, you know, the the battle here, our characters uh, introduced, reintroduced. There's a new member of the Bad Batch, Matt, a holdover from Clone Wars that, of course, Echo, uh, the one who'd been through so much trauma um and uh now you know with this new group and to get the initiation of order 66 which was by far the most compelling thing of the seventh season of the clone wars what with ahsoka you know witnessing that we we know how it goes but to see it from another perspective and here again to see it from another perspective that of Jedi Master Deepa Balaba and her Padawan, uh, Caleb Doom, who you were unaware who we were listening and seeing. Yeah, like as I was watching, I was like, is that young? What's his name from Rebels? <laughs> Wait, he wasn't Caleb. He was he was Kanan, but then wasn't there a thing? Uh, I had very much enjoyed the Rebels prequel book that came out quite a while ago i'm like is that freddie prince jr no it doesn't sound like him is it pitched down uh, i must admit pete when you initially prior to the recording of the podcast said caleb doom uh i initially heard that as dune with an n and i'm like oh man <laughs> that must have been a fun conversation to have a cara dune no, but no 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 doom d-u-m-e uh pete it's like d-o-o-m but a little bit more friendly um <laughs> pete let's get more accepting let's get this let's skip straight to theories for a moment if we can so if freddie prince jr is back as kid version of his character from rebels um can we look forward to freddie prince jr playing uh an on-screen caleb slash kanan in the ahsoka show at some point in the next two years i i well i mean you know how that series ended right uh maybe not (laughs) so i don't want to ruin rebels for you matt but let's just say uh it's going to be a challenge to get old kane and jarris into uh ahsoka uh assuming they're going in a linear fashion for storytelling but back squarely here to the bad batch i feel like the things that i liked most about clone wars in terms of seeing the workaday soldier seeing frankly some of the political machinations you know for the clone wars i didn't necessarily i did not best love the senate intrigue kind of stuff you know kind of show me the everyday person doing everyday stuff which i know is not exactly the clones but you know they're they're a proxy for you know as in like any world war ii movie there's you know there's dutch who's from pennsylvania and there's freddie from chicago you know it's kind of that that you know that every man being captured there uh i thought it was really really effective i think it was easy to um identify hunter wrecker tech crosshair and echo um in the you know in kind of the pilot episode process um i feel good that i i i had predicted that omega or omega depending on one's accent (laughs) omega um, that the vibe I got, like, hmm, I wonder. It, it's weird that there's this kid with the uh, with the Kaminoans. Um, uh, hey, maybe she's a clone. Towards the end, da, 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 she is. Oh, she's part of the Bad Batch too. Um, I think played nicely against the notion that um, 
was it Crosshair who went bad, or or rather yes. stayed bad, or st- however you want to look at well, it? Well, he's he's you know more susceptible to Order sixty six with the implantation of it than the others. I like that they they fractured the group. They had added another one to it. I I mean I will be straightforward. I'm not crazy on the premise. You know the the titular bunch batch here, Matt, because you know. I just didn't feel that those episodes of the seventh season threw it over the top. Like, well, let's get more of these characters. And then the thing you love so much about the clones is that they are all the same, yet they individualize their armor and then, you know, got the haircuts and stuff like that. And that's actually something they're out ahead of with this series. Like all that stuff's going to be paired back. We're going to go from, you know, clones in white armor and red armor and green armor to everybody in white stormtrooper outfits. And, hey, lose your flat top haircut. You know, you're all the same now. And I get it. The Bad Batch, they're different. They're misfits, you know, genetically uh, abnormal, et cetera, et cetera. I love the inclusion of omega i love that they have the little girl and then you you build in the secret sauce of you know uh oh i i just picked up a blaster and it felt right um before the door opens she strangely knows people are coming i think that's a little bit of a uh uh, note of foreshadowing perhaps there's a little else going on with her in terms of her genetic makeup but you know, to take the clones who are great at, they all look pretty much alike, but we make a minor change to this one has long hair and this one's gigantic and this one wears glasses and this one talks like a snake and of course is going to betray them for the Empire. And hey, here's Echo who we know before and, you know, now he's only got the one hand and he looks really pale and I secretly hope will eventually become Lobot on uh, Cloud City, they're not, to me, the most compelling characters. I think, and my hope for this series is, that the stuff that's going to go on around them is really going to carry the day. For me, Caleb getting away, and then Omega's inclusion here, uh, Saw Gerrera to get him, and granted it wasn't um, Forrest Whitaker, Saw Gerrera, but to include him here and and to get that nod back to both um, Clone Wars, Rebels, and and even Rogue One, I think is cool. And then whoever is on J-19, they say he. I mean, we know there's a cameo Friday. It's May, Matt. We better be getting uh, Melinda May. We better be getting uh, Fennec Shand uh, and Ming-Na Wen. Oh, absolutely. I think that's that's widely the assumption it is interesting you proposing that though there are the obvious uh kind of archetypal differences um between the bad batch members um omega notwithstanding being different in age and gender and whatnot and life experience and so forth um it's interesting that they're kind of the the idea that you're proposing that they are so archetypal that they're kind of somewhat frozen in that in that mold and then it's going to be other other story elements that move through as opposed to you know oh man pete 
will Wrecker learn to read by the end of the first season or, you know, or, or things of that sort that it's, no, they're going to continue um, kind of sort of in that Han Solo mo- mold as well, where kind of not vastly changed in how they are, but but uh, around there as, as the, the universe spins, that kind of thing. And this is a part of Star Wars history immediately after uh, Revenge of the Sith that we've only seen little of. I mean, the, the coda of the Clone Wars is during the Empire with Darth Vader in the suit with Stormtroopers. Um, so there's space in there certainly to play around with. I have to wonder too, Matt, and the temptation must be enormous. Like, all right, is there going to be something in this season where, hey, we're not completely done emptying out the Jedi Temple? Uh, oh, our Bad Batch has to go there because story reasons. Oh, look, in this drawer in stasis, there's a cute little green guy. I think there's that possibility. I also think um, what is... I know that this this is kind of obviously very clearly in the uh, Imperial portion of uh, galactic history. And of course, the Obi-Wan Kenobi series is um, at a later point, what, about 15 years later? But I would think, you know, just as we've had from animation to live action, uh, you know, young Saw Gerrera and, and older and so forth, you know, are there things explored in this season? Maybe in a second season? I don't know that they've officially ordered one, although I think it's probably one of those things where I would suspect, Pete, they probably said, we've, we we hereby order 30 episodes, <laughs> do the first 16 right. uh, before you send the next uh, 15 or 14 out uh, because we're going to call it two seasons, you know, and so forth. Um, but I digress. Does the Bad Batch um, interact with elements of the Kenobi series, even if it's just minor, you know, like, oh boy, bartender guy. Oh, do you remember his great three-episode thing in bad batch where we really learned how he you know how he loved to play the electric you know flute or whatever it is i think there's that's part of the richness that the star wars universe brings that not necessarily every other uh you know film and tv universe multimedia universe really explores i mean yes there's all the marvel characters and yes there's all the kind of history to the star trek universe but it's in Star Wars where you sit and go, yeah, we're going to hang with these guys for, you know, 16, 30, 45 episodes, and then that'll kind of be it. And they're not necessarily going to, you know, surprise, surprise, show up in, you know, episode 12 of the the Skywalker saga, reinvigorated in 20 years or whatever. It's just some of that, 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 that expanse where here's your slice, enjoy your slice, other stories are going on elsewhere. I think you can strike a balance and there's the vastness of the universe that there's the familiar aspects of the story, you know, that, that we've seen order 66 now in 2005, uh, through the lens of clone wars a year ago and now here and to take the film elements to have, you know, Ian McDiarmid's, uh, you know, audio from, uh, Revenge of the Sith about the Empire and for the Bad Batch to witness that and, you know, be our every men amongst clones who are 
one man, <laughs> um, I think was effective and scratches the nostalgia, you know, to bring Tarkin in there. We mentioned Caleb Dune before, um, you know, the, the various other things that are familiar. Camino as a setting has always been really cool to explore and they've returned to a couple times. Um, Saw Gerrera. But what could you get to now that's different, that's unexplored or things that will eventually become a bigger deal? Um, and backwardsly compatible too. you know, the idea that there could be some things we've seen before that might show back up uh, rather than just the new things. But, you know, at its zenith, uh, Clone Wars did a masterful job of the multi arc episodes of pods if you will this serialized idea you know even with like you said the the idea let's let's spend a certain amount of time with with these characters you know there's a fifth season arc of clone wars that's a bunch of droids and a tiny alien and it's super watchable it's really really well done um and it's going to be interesting to see because the longer the Clone Wars went on, and yes, it's it's got clone in the title, but you know they gave you both Jedi and clone together, and then occasionally, like, all right, here's a Padme story, and here's this. I mean, back to that first season, there's a Jar Jar adventure. I would have liked to see a little bit more Jar Jar. The over-the-air pilot is a is a one-off Yoda story that I think still remains its its best story was super bummed we never ever got in the clone wars the hey here's why yoda had such a good relationship with the wookies and here's the invasion of the wookie homeworld of kashik arc like that was the one i always wanted i never got um you can't do it now obviously because this is after revenge of the sith can you visit there can you see enslaved wookies and and stuff like that could be a way to go. I mean, we had a little bit of that in the in um, in Rebels, which is obviously set a little further down the road. Um, but again, man, it's Star Wars. It's the same style digital animation, so it probably feels like it was pretty easy as far as backdoor piloting this into a series. Hey, you got any more of those Clone Wars? Oh, wait, but you kind of like ended the show, but you still had these other characters up. Uh, there you go, coming to Disney Plus, Bad Batch. Indeed, you have me wondering, Pete. Um, I know that the Clone Wars season seven was, uh, you know, had been kind of unceremoniously stopped. I was going to say mid-production, early in production. There were some some basic animation done, others that hadn't even been started. I know that the world of animation, computer animation in particular, can move pretty fast you know there's kind of stories from pixar like oh they're gonna go back and do the 3d version of toy story uh it's actually incredibly challenging because that was done on old-timey computers with old-timey software relative to to what they have you know 15 years later and whatnot my point being i wonder if maybe part of the you know like hey you have this clone wars stuff clone wars season seven is it worth uh, is it worth unearthing all, all the digital sets and all the digital, you know, to, to, to recreate that? Um, maybe part of the discussion was, well, yes, if you can then use it in another show. You know, when you are redoing all the files for 
TIE fighters and shuttle bays and things like that to say, all right, it's not just for this Clone Wars thing to finish it off. We, we get to then say, now make the shuttle bay different dimensions, which is really easy in the, in the computer, and move the lights around a little bit. Great, boom. That now is your Bad Batch shuttle bay and so forth. So maybe there's a bit of that where it's like, again, I, th- I think we kind of, we sometimes forget that the, the purely digital uh, space takes time, takes calculation, and so forth, the same as a physical set. So maybe there's this this intentional, you know, set recreation and so forth, whether it was from season seven or to just say, you know what, let's let's do a show that has less different characters as opposed to, you know, Clone Wars, where sometimes it's the clones, sometimes it's underwater, sometimes it, hey, let's just kind of keep it a little bit more focused, and oh, by the way, we already have Stormtrooper outfits made, we already have a lot of the ships made, and so forth, so it's kind of... It's more familiar and a little bit more economical. This aspect that Tarkin brings to the show coming to Kamino where they produce the clones, bringing up the idea of cost (laughs) now that, you know, we're talking about production values. And then, like I said, that they've been out ahead of with the press that everything's going to come back to what we know. I'm really interested to see this process of stripping the Republican army down, the Republic army, excuse me, the Republic army down to the empire in terms of the the look, the lack of individuality that the clones had begun to manifest, you know, that they took on names, that they went from the all white armor to suddenly, you know, there are different divisions that this one's got, you know, purple on his uh, elbow. And this one has, uh, you know, mustard yellow and different commanders and things like that. And, you know, this one's got a beard and this one has a completely shaved head and that kind of stuff. Can you put the genie back in the bottle? Obviously there's a brainwash you know, pseudoscience aspect to it. It's really interesting that they've had one of the bad batch essentially defect the group and stay with the empire. So he's going to assist the empire in hunting them. He knows where they could go next. So you've, by the end of the 70 minutes here, you've established, this is what the show is going forward. Um, The clone wars was always, about clone wars but again whether it was padme on a diplomatic mission or here's this separatist thing that needs to get solved over here or even like the super interesting darth maul stuff that they did in bringing him back and you know his his brother savage oppress and everything like that so like I the, said, the most subtle to, the 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 character with the most subtle name in all of Star Wars is of course Savage Opress. <laughs> I mean Darth Maul too, but but they they did a really intriguing job with that and you think of the things we've now seen on the Mandalorian, the idea that Bo-Katan, you know, Katie Sackhoff live action having voiced that and you know, to me my mind is like, all right, they've they've done the Clone Wars into the Mandalorian, can they do the Mandalorian back into these, knowing what a hit that is? You know, does Mithril show up as a friend of Omega? You know, 
do do we get those types of nods? And again, for the, the the conundrum is the vastness of the universe, but then you know Darth Vader built C3PO, which for me works. Um, but I I know there have been people critical of it. But like I said, I just for some reason this titular group doesn't interest me, at least not to the point yet that I'm like, oh, I gotta know, you know what the guy with the glasses is going to techity tech this week, or, you know, that I, I think Wrecker's like the most lovable one, I guess, cause he's goofy and he's a gigantic child. Um, Echo's got the, the pathos of what he's been through. Um, Hunter, this, this Rambo solid snake, you know, thing they're, they're kind of putting out there. Um, but the introduction of the little girl, I, I thought that was going to be something I did not care for. And I found it to be among the most interesting of the pilot. Pete, I'll add to this whole discussion that w- one thing that kind of took me um, a little by surprise in a, in a good way was we, of course, have had um, almost a backwards glimpse of the Rebel Alliance. You know, it's a fully formed uh, and indeed, you know, ultimately successful after two hours, uh, you know, successful operation uh, in the first Star Wars movie. Then in the chronology, we move back a little bit more uh, Rogue One, where it's coming together or, you know, it, where, where it's it's vigorous, but still kind of um, quiet. Uh, go back even further to Solo and its beginnings where uh, where uh, Carly Morgenthau, I mean, um, <laughs> Enfys Nest is uh, weirdly they're doing the exact same job. Um, but it, it was kind of this moment where, you know, of course, we know Saul Guerrero from the um, Clone Wars show and the Clone Wars era where he was a freedom fighter, you know, fighting the robot bad guys. And just this notion of he and obviously others, but he has identified this empire is no good and we are immediately pivoting from uh, Clone War to Civil War. And it kind of was just this. Oh right, that's what it must have been like for some people. Where it's the whether you're a freedom fighter or whether you're just like, man, this war is terrible. I can't believe Uncle George is still out there on the space uh, laser ship, and you know, oh, sometimes the robots come through, or sometimes we don't get enough, you know, uh, space pairs because the the supply lines are uh, impacted by the war. To yay, the war is over. Oh wait, this is terrible too. This is something that some people are going to fight too it kind of was it was deflating in a i think in a good way because guess what Saul Guerrero figured out early on that this empire was no good yeah and you know between him a character we've met before and we know how he butts up against the rebellion too extreme really for the rebels and then you're starting to see already, and I hope we get a lot more of the Kaminoans here, Nala Say in particular, um, you know, assisting Omega in getting away, jamming the door there. The idea talking with the, the uh, Kaminoan uh, prime minister of keeping an eye on this. So I, I hope we circle back to that. You know, do they go from... The, the guilt of having created the clone army that becomes the empire to secretly undermining it and assisting this super fledgling rebellion. I think that could be a really interesting pathway forward for story. 
particularly since you theoretically have as an option a hard endpoint, which is, you know, if you, here we are now, you know, coming right off the clone production. Okay, they're figuring out what's next and what their contract calls for and all that. If it was to be revealed in Bad Batch Season 3 that, um, you know, a proto-Death Star weapon, because Pete, there's always a Death Star weapon, but, you know, that a proto-Death Star weapon was used on the Camino capital city, uh, A, as a test, and B, to, you know, shut them up now that, you know, they are helping the Rebel Alliance, we are we are projecting, that, that sort of thing. Um, my, my point being, Pete, if they suddenly destroyed Camino in some capacity, you'd be like... Oh yeah, I guess I kind you know like hey that fits because nobody talks about them in the subsequent movies, which of course were made beforehand, you know. But like that would fit, or if it's just like no, this is another planet that used to be important and now just kind of fades off, fades on the vine in terms of importance. That would make sense too. So it's pretty darn good stakes to have characters like not for nothing. Hopefully, all the bad batch folks make it to the end of the show and you know and they lived in retirement and peace and whatnot. Um, you want to destroy Camino for a story flex at some point. People will be shocked, but I don't think people are going to be like, no, you took my Kaminoans away. It'd be organic. And again, you know, getting to know a little bit more of these characters beyond what we got in Attack of the Clones and then a little bit more in the Clone Wars would certainly deepen it. And to redeem them in a way like that they had helped to create this army that then got turned into an even worse uh, army, this empire. And to undermine it, you know, I, I'd really like to see that. Thank goodness, Matt, we get another episode in three days on Friday here, May 7th. And we will be there to talk to you about it. Indeed, we will. Uh, celebrating this first week of our Buffet May, uh, as well as, of course, Star Wars Day, extending out to Bad Batch 102. So I'm excited to see what the show is like as it settles into what I'm assuming is going to be more in that 25-minute range, but kind of like the normal episode-type range, uh, because I think it really is a compelling uh, a compelling pilot. Pete, what are you looking for in that second episode? I want Fennec Shand. I want uh, Ming-Na Wen here. We've, we've gotten the tease. It was prominent, and I, I hope that's the cameo on Friday, but uh, really, really tight as far as information right now nothing leaking out and uh as the adventure continues on our pop culture podcast feed for buffet may looking ahead to next week when we are going to be talking some of the early episodes of superman and lois over there on hbo max uh, as well as the cw app the week after that talking some modok and army of the dead and then finishing up the uh buffet may menu uh talking some star trek in the last week of may before we fully uh, set our sights on loki in june pete this is a ride that i'm definitely looking forward towards absolutely and before we know it matt we'll be back in that marvel cinematic universe on the tv side and then with black widow in july on the film side pete how can people be in touch with you to talk about okay it's a small list uh marvel <laughs> dc Star Wars, Zombies, or Star Trek? You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, 11,941 followers, can't be wrong. And while I'm personally on Twitter, it's looking back lost, do me a touch of the podcast, comment on FantasticGeek.com. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, Gmail, where we are Fantastic Geek as well. But wait, there's more. 
facebook.com slash fantastic geek with a ph all one word like it today putting our star wars feed back into the uh carbonite for a little while pending further breaking news uh and certainly pete as discussed continuing on the pop culture podcast feed for the entire month with that i will say adios to all our listeners and give you the final word Omega. 